How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode five of All Steelers Draft Talk. You guys can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Steelers or wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my guy, Nick Martin. Um, today, we're going to do some different stuff. We're going to talk about some standouts from a wild conference championship weekend. Uh, and then we're going to do a check-in with the Steelers rookie class, give our thoughts on you know where some of those guys are um, with their development. Excited to get to to that discussion for sure. But first, Nick, how we doing, my brother? I'm doing great, man. It was a pretty good week of college football. A uh, lot of lot of news that came out of this week too. So a lot that we have to get into. Yeah, for sure. There there was a just a flurry of stuff going on. I felt like this weekend there really one thousand people in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there were there wasn't a ton of games, but man, it was just like every game had so much impact. I mean, you look at just from Friday night on. You know, USC getting dropped out of the college football playoffs and then you know it even looked like it was going to get wilder right Purdue you know home yeah. with Michigan for a good three quarters and it looked like they might you know pull it off and make this thing even more interesting granted Michigan was in regardless but um it I was think, it was definitely think, a wild weekend I still think TCU got robbed I, I think Kendry oh. Miller was was over the line I think they I think they made a really bad call yeah I was I was happy that TCU still got in and kept that third spot just because the way in which they lost you could just tell that you know a team that went into conference weekend with zero losses I mean they they deserve to be there I mean you can you can argue about how you think that they're going to do against you know the Georgias or you know if they're more talented I guess than Ohio State but Resume wise, they deserve to be there. Um, and then, sure. you know, I, I think it was a good weekend of college ball for sure. Um, let's start start talking about some standouts. I thought that the there was just a ton of receiver cornerback matchups this weekend that were extremely interesting to me. I'm not going to talk too much about Jordan Addison, Clark Phillips, just because we've talked about them so much on this podcast. But that was a good one on Friday night. Um, but you know, Saturday, that heavyweight matchup between Quentin Johnson and Julius Brent was amazing. I mean, it was so unique because, you know, both of those guys have very unique body types for their positions and seeing them go head to head was just, it was like two pterodactyls just fighting one another. It was, it was, it was a wild thing to see. Um, but Johnson, you know, six, four, 250 pound kid that, you know, wins at all three levels. He got after it, you know, early, early in the game, he catches that deep ball, you know, where he's able to stack Brent's down the left sideline. Um, the other awesome, the other awesome play that I thought he had was that play we were talking about before we jumped on. Um, there was a, another go ball where Brent's actually has really good coverage on him and the ball is thrown a good 10 yards inside of where it should be thrown. If you're going to take a shot, and he's able to show off his tracking ability, make a crazy adjustment, almost, you know, at a straight line angle to come inside and make that play. Um, you know, he he made so many plays in this game where you could just see his immediate um, impact at the next level that there was a simple play where I think they may have blown a coverage, honestly, where he caught a curl route or a comeback. And it just always amazes me how when he how quickly he goes from receiver to runner. I mean, it's a seamless transition. And you just love that because you just don't get that often with his type, like his body type. So um, but I thought Brent's 
even though Johnston won that matchup for sure, I mean, he had over 100 yards on the day. I think three big catches of those came, you know, on Brent's. But I thought that uh, he really showed off some potential too. Um, he definitely held his own, even if like he did lose some reps. He's a really interesting player because you look at him, he certainly looks the part. You know, he's going to measure in over 6'3", 200 pounds. Reports are that he has around 34-inch arm length. I mean, we're talking about 99th percentile stuff for the position, which is incredibly intriguing. That That's going to, you know, certain teams that are really prioritized length and, you know, what they're after are going to absolutely love this kid. And you saw that physicality and that length show up a couple times. Um, they tried to throw a fade to Johnson in the end zone, and he was able to pretty much just wall him up against the sideline, box him out, and then come down with an interception. Um, and then there was another play where they tried to hit Johnson kind of on like an underneath in route or like a slant. Um, and, you know, he was able to kind of trigger downhill and then get his arm in the in the passing lane. So those things are really encouraging to me. There's some traits to work with with his game. I'm really interested to see um, what he runs in terms of like the 40. But he's definitely a guy that could potentially slide into like late day two, early day three range. Um, I'm I'm really interested to get more of his film because he's very, very intriguing and just holding your own against who I think is the current wide receiver one in this NFL draft landscape, uh, Quentin Johnson. That was an encouraging performance um, and really, really fun to watch, honestly. Yeah, that that performance overall, like I thought Johnston won. If if I had to say who won or lost, I thought Johnston won, but I thought Brent's left a lasting impression just based off how he battled and he fought. Like he, there were so many like reps where like he like in the red zone and they were just going at it. And you know, one of them, Johnson's looking, to, you know, Johnson's looking for the fade, and Duggan throws a really bad pass. He he picks it off, but I liked seeing him get his eyes inside. That was one of the like outside because. Whenever he was getting, he had like a few defensive p- pass interference penalties, and it was on 50 50 balls. Mm-hmm. It was like balls that was like thrown towards the back. Competitive shoulder. reps. Yeah. And he, and he couldn't, and he just wasn't finding the ball towards, towards his back because he has his, because he's playing the hands. And in that case, I like that Johnston was showing those late hands. That's a great, that's a great trait to have. And when you force, you know, pass interference penalties, you force a guy to not trust his technique with the type of arm length. There's definitely a lot to work with with both those guys. Um, Brent's probably, I have to get more film, but if I had to guess, he'll probably be like a top 100 player in this class. And Johnston looks like the wide receiver one for sure. For sure. Yeah, I, I really think that Johnson just does so many different things well, man. I, I just, I come away like more and more impressed every time I watch him. I know that he got off to a really slow start to the season, you know, maybe wasn't, I guess, as productive from the jump this year, like we were kind of anticipating. But I don't know that that was necessarily all him either, but just the things that he can do, the traits that he displays, you know, he he can win at all three levels. He's good with the ball in his hands. Um, I do also want to credit Brent. He did force a fumble too um, on on that play, getting his hand on the ball, punching that out. Um, So, you like those matchups when we can get two top prospects going up against one another for the majority of a game. It kind of gives us a good baseline. 
on, you know, what they can do against top competition. And, you know, Brent's is a guy who has a senior bowl invite now, too. He accepted, I think, a week or two ago. So he's a guy that we're going to get to see in Mobile go head to head with a lot of the other senior receivers. I'm really, really excited to see how he stacks up down there. Um, so that that's definitely something to look forward to. Um, who was who was another guy or some guys that stood out to you on Saturday? So personally for me, I was really enthralled by the performance of Chris Smith, um, the second at Georgia. Safety thing that really stood out to me was one. It was the play um, on the block field goal. He ends up waiting on the ball, trying to see if if they're going to start running because he knows the ball is live. He knows he can he he can advance it forward. And he ends up running all the way back for a touchdown. LSU was caught completely off guard. And that's the type of play that, like, you see that savviness. And then I started to watch him a little more closely. And he's wearing a lot of hats on this defense. Like, he's playing one high. He's asked to, he's asked to match the slot in quarters coverage. And he looks pretty smooth in terms of his pedal from off. From off and you like seeing that in a, in a safety for sure. His play recognition, that was something that was really stick, sticking out because he understood when to drive downhill and, and get his hand on, get his, and, and like tackle a guy within the back, like towards the backfield. He had a play where um guy was running like a glance route. And he just gets right in there, forces the ball, bounces off the dude's helmet, and then they get the interception. I was really impressed with how smart and savvy he, he, he was in that game. He's the type of player. I don't know if he's going to test insanely well. I think uh, he was a he was a four star out of high school, and he ran like a four six five ish. If I had to guess, he's probably going to be like a four five type of guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see like super explosive measurements, but I saw a guy who was very sound fundamentally and just knowing when to break down. Really aggressive tackler. I like I like seeing that for sure. And um, player that I could see a guy like Bill Belichick really falling in love with, you know, guys that can wear all those hats on defense and also be able to make plays like that on special teams. Yeah, that's, that's a guy. And um, from what I saw, Jim Nagy, who runs the senior bowl, they had, they don't, they haven't sent out the uh, senior bowl invites for Georgia players just yet. So you won't see much on that, but I, it sounds like he's, he's going to get an invite for sure. And he's probably been like the second best safety if not maybe the best safety in the SEC this year. I'm excited to break down more of him because that game against LSU was super impressive. Yeah, that that play he made, you know, coming downhill to get um, that PBU that ended up turning into an interception was pretty wild. I, I saw that. I didn't see it live, but I saw it on my Twitter feed shortly after it happened. Um, that, w- that was a really good play. I think I haven't studied him in particular, but just from watching Georgia so much over the course of the season – the thing that sticks out to me are the instincts. I don't I'm I'm in agreement with you that I don't know that he's this, you know, high level athlete. I don't think he's a bad athlete. I just think he's incredibly instinctive. He knows where he needs to be at all times. And I though that is so important for safeties because sometimes we'll get these safeties that come out that are, you know, incredible athletes, but they don't actually know where they're supposed to be going. <laughs> and and Chris Smith is not, you know, is not that type of player. So he's definitely a guy that you know, I'm interested to see. I do think he's going to get a senior bowl invite. Um, Georgia, you know, I know they have to wait 
Um, Nagy talked about this on a podcast I was re- listening to recently, but they have to kind of wait to see, you know, which of these guys they're trying to get back because the COVID years have kind of made the senior bowl thing kind of weird too, because now, now everybody has that extra eligibility. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Just one more player that I thought really stood out um, over the weekend was Charlie Jones receiver from Purdue there's probably not a player in college football this season that's helped their stock more than Jones has. I mean, you go from relatively, I mean, not relatively unknown, like literally unknown um, to superstar in the college football landscape, at least, you know, he started his career at Buffalo in 2018 transfers has to sit out, um, goes to Iowa, doesn't really do a ton there on offense. And then he comes to Purdue this year and just lights the world on fire. And we talked about, you know, Purdue being really competitive in that Michigan game this weekend. And, you know, a lot of that was a testament to how good Jones was. Uh, Michigan has some good players in that secondary, specifically DJ Turner, who I really liked over the summer when I was able to get to his film. Uh, But, you know, 16 targets, 13 catches, over 100 yards um, on the day. I was... Uh, every time I watch him, he is just making incredible plays at the catch point. You know, he's a contested catch monster. I mean, only six foot tall. I couldn't believe it. Um, I think it was the Illinois game because I'd already seen him a couple times. He he kind of put it on my guy Garrett Wilson earlier this season uh, when they played Syracuse. But when I was listening to the game um, against Illinois several weeks ago, they said he was only six foot tall. I said, there's no way this dude's only six foot tall. Cause I thought he was like six, two because of how often he's winning in the air. Only six foot tall. He had 22 contested catches this year. That leads all receivers. Um, I believe in power five. So just amazing at the catch point, you know, three drops, I think on like 150 targets or something like that. Um, the Michigan game was interesting because they moved him around in the slot more than I feel like they have, at least while I was watching he had a couple of big plays um, out of the slot, which I think is interesting because I'm not really sure what his projection is going to be at the next level. He's going to be a day three guy, also has a senior bowl invite. Um, I don't know what the testing is going to look like. I don't, you know, he's an older prospect, so the ceiling is going to be a little bit of a question there too. But this kid's a player. I think he's going to make an NFL roster, and I think he's got the chance to be one of those day three guys that actually contributes early on into their rookie season. Um, he's just – he's been unbelievable to watch this year, and I, I really – I love those stories of guys that just come out of nowhere. Um, you know, and it's also helpful, too, because he has some special teams acumen to him as well. Like, he returned kicks and punts uh, both at Iowa, and he's done some of that, too, for Purdue. So, um, you you like when guys that are going to be day three picks probably um, contribute at least in some form or fashion on special teams too, especially at receiver. Yeah, no, that that definitely makes a lot of sense. Uh, Charlie Jones, he definitely shows a lot of that feistiness at the catch point. And you mentioned uh, the fact he hadn't really done much up to this point. And I think a lot of that has to do that Perfectly. Iowa is the worst <laughs> offensive team to watch in the entire country. I have a friend who is a Broncos and an Iowa fan. And oh, I just, brutal. I'm just like, I'm just like, how could you live with yourself? Just being able to watch those week every Saturday and Sunday. It's just, ugh. but yeah, Charlie Jones, not to take away, get too far off topic, really impressive player at the catch point. And um, I'm excited to break him down a little more. For yeah. Sure. 
he made a crazy catch uh, on Saturday. The one that really stuck out into my mind where, when I was going through uh, topics for the pod, he was running down the left sideline and McConnell just throws him just this random back shoulder ball that is about six inches off of the turf. Um, and he has to kind of contort his body and scoop this thing off of the ground, basically, while also staying in bounds. And he just comes down with it. And, of course, the announcers are going crazy. It's funny because um, uh, what's what's the announcer's name? Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson yeah. <laughs> he always refers to him as Chuck Jones. It's really funny to me. Uh, <laughs> but I just I think he's he's had a phenomenal season. Definitely somebody that, you know, has warranted, you know, some of this draft love that he's going to start getting just because of the numbers that he's put up. So definitely a guy that I'm excited about uh, getting some more tape on, you know, senior bowl, definitely going to be a fun time down in Mobile on those one-on-ones with those DBs. I want to, we want to talk a little bit about the Steelers rookie class, um, go through some of the rookies, you know, where we think they are in their development some things that maybe surprised us um, in terms of, you know, what they're doing well or what they're not doing well, what we think uh, the next steps for some of these guys are. Obviously we're going to start off that conversation with Kenny Pickett, you know, the most important probably player right now in the franchise's landscape, just because of the nature of the position. Want to get your thoughts kind of on Pickett. You know, he's played better over the last couple of weeks since the bye week, you know, hasn't turned the ball over in three, four straight games. So that's a good thing to see. What have you seen from him and his development and kind of where he's at, where you think he needs to go? I kind of want to add um, on the interceptions real quick. Um, some of his interceptions to start the year were very fluky in terms of sure. uh, in terms of turnover worthy plays. And I definitely think he was I definitely think he was doing a good job of being a distributor in that regard and protecting the ball. The problem is with things that I'm liking right now, I think it's going to be a process of feeling this out, but I really liked the Bengals and the Colts game in particular, because he showed the better, he showed a lot better pocket savviness than he had, than he had shown. That's the thing I've had. My biggest concern about is him managing the pocket, not, and not bailing out too quickly, his fight or flight mode. And I, I, I've talked about this a lot. He tends to, flight out of the pocket and rather rather than fight and i do think he if he continues to fight more i think there's going to be a lot more plays that you'll see that he'll hit like for example um a lot of people have talked about this play was the um the backside dig that he missed against atlanta that a lot of people are pointing out like oh yeah he should have saw it guys he's so the thing with uh pickett he got hit a lot of pit and it caused him to some get PTSD bad. there. Yeah, it got I got it gave him some PTSD, some bad habits, and it caused him to not trust his protection. He felt he he knew the guy was coming from his backside, but he didn't trust his protection to be able to to come up to take care of that guy. So he, what does he do? He goes out of the pocket. And that's where a lot you're going to see a lot of like his post snap processing plays, he can do it. The problem he has to trust is protection. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that ties together. It takes a while for stuff like that to fix. Uh, you saw Derek Carr for the longest time. He used to have this, fl- this flight and this check down Charlie mentality when he was in the pocket. And 
it really hurt him early on in his career, even if, quote, he had a 2016 MVP type year. We'll not get into that, but <laughs> it, it really took him till about 2020 for him to really get out of those habits and start playing like a like a like a better quarterback. And that's one of the worries I have about Pickett is I think it's going to be until after his rookie contract. And I think the appeal of his rookie contract is where you can build a lot of the team around him and not have to worry about your cap situation. Overall with Pickett, uh, a lot of the things I've seen are about the same. I'd say he's been a little disappointing in the middle of the field in, in that regard, but I think a lot of it is he's he's learning he's processing it's a lot mm-hmm. of things it's, it's it's a feeling out process but i like his placement on outside sh- shoulder balls i think he's been very good at giving guys chances and overall what i've seen accuracy wise um and leadership honestly leadership that was the big thing intangibles really liked with pickett he worked with a quarterback coach for a long time so he he knows what he wants to work on it's the problem of wh- how how fast is it going to get there, and Tom once yeah. talked about this. T- talked about this at one point. The league is not going to wait for. We're not going to wait for you. Mm-hmm. So he so he knows he has to improve in that regard. But overall, what I've seen from Pickett is about what I'd expect, and I think he's very much. He very much can be like that game manager, that middle of the pack type of quarterback that can get you into the playoffs. Maybe win you a game, but he's he's probably not gonna be the reason you end up winning the big one. Is is my yeah. that's just my personal take on it. Yeah, I mean, um, for listeners of this channel specifically that have heard me on Fridays talk about Pickett, you know, really since before he was even drafted, a lot of those same sentiments are things that I've echoed for you know months now. So um, you know, things that I like that he's done. Um, that have translated over from his college tape. I think the toughness stands out, you know, the willingness to get hit, even though I don't think he's uh, all that great about standing in the pocket and before like it not fleeing um, before he really needs to. I just, I like the, the mentality of, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable picking up yards with my legs. I'm comfortable taking hits while I'm throwing. Um, I think that there have been some really good instances of ball placement that have maximized yards after the catch, um, especially on outbreaking throws underneath. He's been accurate. You know, anything under 10 yards, he's been extremely accurate so far. It's just been the downfield, middle of the field type stuff that's been a little bit wonky at times. Um, I also really one thing I appreciate about Pickett is I think his mechanics are really, really good lower body wise. Sometimes he has a habit of getting a little bit too wide of a base when he's trying to put some extra zip on it to kind of compensate a little bit for his arm strength, in my opinion. But he does an excellent job getting himself lined up to throw. And the Atlanta game was a good, um, a really good example of that. He had that play, I think it was on the first drive where he's actually turning his eyes move right. He doesn't like what he sees. He quickly resets you know, gets his entire body shifted over to the left side to hit. I think it was Friermuth. I think that was a third down too. Um, so there are really things, play. yeah, there are things like that that you really like to see from a fundamental standpoint. In terms of, 
you know, the pocket navigation has been, it was really rough at the beginning of the season. And it's, there have been flashes of improvement. The Cincinnati game was one. I thought the Colts game, he did a really good job. That throw that he made to Pickens, where he was kind of sliding to his left as Pickens is working that uh, dig route. That was an excellent ball. You know, he didn't bail out of the pocket, you know, stayed in there, you know, under pressure, delivered a good throw that was low and away. Um, And then I thought one of the things about the Atlanta game that I thought kind of muddied up his performance a little bit for me was, you know, that Deontay Johnson play, man, like it's so hard to be an experience like to be a really good offense, if you're, especially if you're not all that explosive, which the Steelers aren't, if you're not going to work the middle of the field, it's just, it's hard because you're, you're literally, you not being able to access that part of the field for various reasons. um, It really is a detriment to some of the things they're trying to do. And I know Canada's scheme is not that great in terms of like scheme and throws open in the middle of the field. It's not. So it's not all on him. It's just um, right now. I mean, we're, he, his numbers in the middle of the field are, I mean, they're not near the bottom. They are literally the bottom in pretty much every category. You look at, you know, um, attempts, completions, yards per completion, um, passer rating, um, on-target percentage. I mean, it's it's all been pretty ugly. And I would say, like, if I'm talking about something that would surprise me a little bit, it is that because at Pitt, um, he would access the middle of the field. And I did see him make like he was willing to throw over even without like incredible arm strength or anything like that. He would struggle sometimes post snap processing where he wouldn't get there when he needed to get there. It would usually be like a tick late, but he could fit the ball into tight windows um, instead of throwing with more anticipation. But now I just I don't think that there's that really at all. And that is something that's kind of surprised me. And maybe that's just because um We've both talked about this, you know, on Twitter, I feel like, but that's one of the biggest differences from like NCAA to the pros is you have to throw with anticipation. If you're going to access the middle of the field, you have to throw with anticipation because the windows are so much smaller. And the only way that you can get away with that is if you just have this rocket arm and Pickett does it. Like you can even see when he throws, for example, that seam that he missed to Firemuth and the uh, down near the red zone area he's putting his entire body in to kind of sling that one in, which is fine. Um, But he just doesn't have the arm that's going to be able to just, you know, kind of be late on those types of throws and feel comfortable making them. So if I'm, if I'm thinking of one thing that I really want to see aside from the obvious pocket navigation stuff that we talked about pre-draft improve, it's, you know, trying to start accessing that middle of the field, staying a little bit more in the pocket, you know, being willing to test those windows, especially in zone coverage, um, that's something that I want to see kind of moving forward, improve, you know, from him. Yeah, uh, definitely agreed on that. And I want to add uh, one quick thing on the uh, middle of the field. So personally, I do think that he was better at anticipating the middle of the field in, in college. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do one with Canada's scheme uh, Two has to do with a lot of divert he's learning this offense on the go. And I definitely believe if you have certain traits in college, they're going to transfer over, but it might take a, it might take a little bit for guys like that to become consistent in that area when they're trying to like, be like, okay, this guy's supposed to be here. 
uh, I need to throw it here to my first, like, you know, that type of thing. That's why the play to Fryermuth where he goes full field back all the way back. That was really impressive because oh, yeah, for sure. that, you like seeing him work his entire, the entire field. And especially as a rookie. Yeah. And I think too, just that progress, like post-snap progression and anticipation. I think that that's the reason why I have a theory that that's why he's been better against the blitz this year than when he's not been blitzed because it takes defenders out of the equation and he is tough. So when he recognizes that he's going to be pressured, but there's man coverage behind it, like that play, even early in the season against Miami to Fryermuth on, I think it was fourth down and long when they needed that like last drive to, you know, take the lead or whatever at the end of the game. And he hits that bender over the middle of the field. And it's like, yes, that's what we want to see. And the Pickens play was another good example of that, you know, Andy brought pressure. He slides to his left and then throws to the middle of the field. I just, he's just not 100% comfortable right now anticipating those throws, you know, when there are more defenders kind of in the underneath Zero area. coverage. Yeah. So, and again, that's not necessarily saying that he won't ever get there. It's just something that we want to see in terms of, you know, development for him. But, you know, overall, I think the past two weeks, you know, he's played winning football. I don't know. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I said pre-draft was that, this is a quarterback that you can win with. And I think that he's going to get to his ceiling faster than maybe other guys, mainly because he's a 24 year old rookie who has a ton of experience. But I just, I think some of the things that he does are going to transfer over pretty quickly. Um, You mentioned it kind of where the ceiling lies. I think that I, I I still feel the exact same I did pre-draft in terms of, I think he's definitely a quarterback you can win with and you can go to the playoffs with. I'm just not sure he's got the tools to be the guy that you win because of. And um, the fan base really wants him to be Joe Burrow. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't I, think that that's fair. No. To him, you know, it's, it's going to put, you know, expectations. I'm not just quite sure that he can live up to. Um, but, and, and that, that's not, you, we can argue about the value of that type of player all day long. It doesn't matter because they've already drafted him. You know, I mean, it yeah. is what it is. I mean, this is, this is what they've got. And this is, uh, it's now up to the Steelers organization to get the most out of this kid. But, you know, you talk about the offensive line and, you know, kind of what he dealt with at Pitt. There's been some real, I think, improvements from the Steelers offensive line the past couple of weeks. Like he's only been pressured, I think, seven times in both of the last two games. I mean, the offensive line's playing well. Granted, it's against the Colts and the Falcons pass rush, which is not good um, whatsoever. But I do think that, you know, Around him, the supporting cast around him right now is playing well. You know, they're running for 160 yards a game since the bye. The offensive line's playing pretty well. The receivers could do a little bit more than what they're doing, especially playing up to their talents. Um, we'll talk about George Pickens here in a second. But um, I think the supporting cast around him is playing better since the bye week, and that's why that's part of the reason why he's looked better since the bye week. And I think, you know, some people will say, like, um, I saw, like, there was a tweet I saw my timeline get retweeted. It was like saying that we didn't want to give him credit because we're, you know, acknowledging other players around her playing better. No, it's just common sense. Like when you're a rookie, you shouldn't be asked to carry the load. Like the load that he was carrying in the first couple starts was too much. I mean, very few guys are going to be able to come into that situation throwing 50 times where, you know, you can't really run your running, running game's just okay. Your offensive line's just playing like below average ball. 
you know, that's not what this tough schedule is. Too. Yeah, I mean, that's not what this idea is that he was just going to come in here and be the savior. Like you're coming in here to, you know, have him manage the game, make some plays with his legs, you know, and show development, you know, incrementally over the course of the season as a passer. I think that's what we're getting. So um, I'm encouraged over the last two weeks. I'm excited to see his development over the course of the season. You know, five games left. We'll see where this thing goes. The only other thing that I would say with Pickett is that people have to be really, really careful about expectations and then just assuming that this rate of development that we've seen just over the past couple of weeks will keep going in a straight line to be there. We talk about all the time, but development is not a linear process. You are not guaranteed to, okay, he's one step better this week. this week. He's going to be one more step next week. That's not going to happen. Like even if the Steelers don't really have like they, they, their second half of the schedule like against the defenses they're playing is a joke. I mean, they do not like, I mean, they've got, of course, Atlanta's terrible, uh, Vegas, terrible, um, you know, Carolina, who knows what's, what they're going to be doing, but they're, they're kind of a mess, not just defensively as much, but just as a team, Baltimore's defense has been really shaky, especially in late in games. So um, even with the schedule looking better, he's probably due for some regression just because he's a rookie and the overall inconsistency, inconsistency of the position. Uh, so if a lot he of plays and valleys. Yeah. So like if, if there are some valleys, you know, if they start this weekend against Baltimore, it's not a reason to just freak out and say that like all the progress is lost. It's just, those are the bumps and bruises associated with a rookie quarterback. So, you know, just be, I would just ask that people be patient and keep, be realistic too with the position. But um, next player um, had an eventful Sunday, not really because of what he did on the field, because he was pretty much a non-factor against, um, against the Falcons, but shut down. You know, yeah. But George Pickens, you know, he's he's had a lot of highlight worthy plays over the course of his rookie season. What have you seen from Pickens? Um, you know, where do you think he is at his development? What are some of the things that you've liked or and that you think that he needs to work on? I think uh, in terms of a lot of the stuff that you like, obviously, uh, winning contested catches is is the big thing. But also, I think he's shown a lot more separation uh, than stats will stay like in terms of like set in terms of like open rate a lot of people uh, and a lot of it is because he runs like i think the most go balls in like the league or something Mm -hmm. and when you're asked to run that many go routes and you're not the primary read you're gonna see him kind of try to he he plays with a lot of pace in his routes and one thing that i think he needs to improve on is when he's not the when he's not the main read, when he's like one of the last reads, he needs to play with a little more urgency in that regard, because there was a play uh, where he didn't get targeted. And he he's, I think he's running, he's coming back on on an out route. It was like a long comeback or something. And he like, he was just, he was slow and methodical with, with trying to get, with trying to push vertical. Cause like the, the corners cushion, he, the corner had a ton of cushion. If he's playing with this very slow, like pacing, he's not going to get a guy to bite there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pickett actually ended up looking his way, but he wasn't open. And I think, you know, you want to, you want to see him play with a little more urgency in that regard. 
as for the um the off field uh the or the on the field outbursts <laughs> um this was expected honestly george pickens has a had a history of on field shenanigans in terms of one fights uh <laughs> in his and his personality there's going to be a lot of stuff that you have to work with but that's the thing that's why that's why we were so happy he got drafted by the Steelers because Mike Tomlin is the coach Mike Tomlin knows how to work with these types of guys he worked with Antonio Brown and made us think he was a saint for years oh my goodness it's impossible to think about now but you know I'm not too worried about the outbursts. I do think he needs to understand like when the team is winning and they're moderately executing pretty well, pretty well, there's a time and a place. It's not, it's not something I'm going to get, I'm going to get too worried about overall though. I'd say in terms of what I've seen, it's about what I'd expect from George Pickens in terms of his talent and in terms of some of the concerns coming out. Um, Overall, just uh i think he's a very promising player they just they just you know we'll we'll see some development from him at some point in terms of his pacing and speeding that ur- urgency up and you know off you know in terms of tantrums and stuff like that that's definitely something tomlin will eventually start to address as, as it as it becomes a bigger a, a more a more pronounced issue over time yeah. for sure yeah i uh I go back to draft night. I was extreme. I mean, I was on the Pickens train for a long time. I I wrote about him multiple times. I talked with him extensively at the NFL Combine. He was a great interview. I honestly did not know what to expect because I was the first one over there waiting at his podium. Got the chance to ask him a bunch of questions, and, like, he was really good in his questions. And I, I came away impressed. I was like, dang, that was those were really good answers. I thought that he came off as a student of the game. And then when the Steelers drafted him, I went crazy. I was so excited just because I I really wanted him in black and gold. And I really thought there was a good chance it was going to happen based on the interest level that we saw before the draft. I do think it's funny because uh, on draft night, after the Steelers picked Leal, a good buddy of mine who's a lot more well-connected in terms of, you know, sources and stuff than I am, he uh, DM'd me and he was like, man, George Pickens to Marvin Leal could not have found two better places to go for their specific, you know, ceilings than Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin is the perfect head coach for him. And I I completely agree. You know, maturity was a question mark for George. The, the on field stuff um, was definitely real. I mean, we saw what he did at Georgia. He got in multiple fights. There was some, um, some crazy stuff there, but you know, like Tomlin said, he'd rather say, whoa, than sick him. That's an all-time Tomlin quote, but it's it's 100% true. That competitive nature that George has, that confidence that he has, you don't want to strip him of that because that's what makes him the really good player that he is. And I think it's, it's important to note that um, he's just a 21-year-old kid. Like, yeah. he's still really young, you know, and they're – I always try to note that not because I think it's, you know, the end all be all like some people do, but there's a big difference between coming into a league at 24 when you've experienced more and being 21. And, you know, you look at him and Leal, they're both, you know, young players who had some maturity type stuff come up um, during the pre-draft process. 
And, you know, I think that they're in a good situation to maximize their, you know, potential. As far as things I want to see improve, uh, just in terms of like his play, um, he's been pretty much what I expected him to be. He's won vertically, you know, he's, he stretched the field for them better than, you know, the guy, like the guy that he replaced kind of in that Z spot. I do think he's a better fit for that role than Claypool. I do. I think we've have seen it a little more over the past couple of weeks, a little more diversification of his route tree, which is awesome. I am not really sure how much more we're going to get this rookie season um, in terms of how much more they're going to put on his plate, but he definitely needs to improve as a route runner. Um, you talked about, that's definitely something you and I've hit on, um, you know, him running full speed on all of his routes, even when he's not the number one or number two in the progression is important. Um, you know, so I think that the Steelers need to find a little bit better way to get him the ball a little bit more consistency, there's really no reason because of how this offense is, you know, it's still a bottom third offense in the league. They don't have very many explosive plays. They need to find a way to throw him one or two go balls uh, uh, every week. I mean, I know that those are cheap 50, 50 type plays, but Pickens contest, Pickens contested catchability makes those more like 80, 20 or 90, 10 type plays. So, um, at the bare minimum, you have to give him a shot or two down the field every week, even if it doesn't, you know, result in anything other than an incompletion, um, you know, just to keep defenses honest and to keep him engaged in the game. I mean, he wasn't even really like targeted last week. So that that was part of, you know, he wasn't getting even the opportunities to come down with plays. Um, and, you know, the only play they really ran for him was that, you know, bootleg for two yards. And that's just not I mean, what, what does that do? You know, so I do think. Um, you know, the hands have been, you know, he showed really, really strong hands, which is something that I love from him coming out of college. You know, he only had two drops at Georgia, I believe. Had a couple weird kind of plays where he had some bad uh, catching technique against the Colts, you know, not flipping his hands when he's going to the ground, things like that, that in my opinion are easily fixable for a kid that's that talented. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm incredibly impressed, you know, really with what I've seen from him. Um, and I think that there is a legit, you know, wide receiver one. I'm not sure if he'll ever be an elite receiver, but I uh, I think he's definitely got wide receiver one type potential. And for a guy that you got in the middle of the second round, that's great value. I already think, you know, what they're getting out of him is pretty close to that value anyway. And I think that there's a lot of room to improve, especially as he becomes a more diverse route runner. Yeah, for sure. And um, you mentioned DeMarvin Leal in terms of uh, got landing spot. We're going to talk about him. I actually wanted to ask, um, because I'm not as plugged in as you, did you, what did you by any chance know what the uh, actual concern was regarding, uh, you I actually heard um, when I asked about Leal, I knew about the stuff with Pickens just because I had been doing yeah. research on Pickens because I knew that um, for one, it was a given that the Steelers were going to take a receiver. I, I really, I thought that Pickens or Danny Gray, one of the two was going to be a Steeler on day two of the draft. Um, but with Leal, from what I was hearing was work ethic related. Now, I don't know. And and again, there's a lot of stuff that you got to fight through. What's smoke? What's real? What's not during that process? But there was some work ethic type of stuff, um, just overall maturity stuff. But again, Leal is a young dude. He's, you know, he's 21 years old. So that was, uh, you know, some of the things. 
But in terms of Liao, he's a really interesting player because we haven't really gotten to see a ton of him. And when we have seen him, he was basically st- playing like stand-up edge linebacker at 300 pounds, which, you know, he came into the combine at 281, I think is what he was. Yeah. Um, and then he tested, you know, didn't test well at all, which, you know, wasn't really all that a surprise. We knew that he wasn't like just this incredible athlete. Um, but, you know, he ended up putting on weight. And we, the question was all offseason was like, how is he going to carry that weight? Is it going to look good in the preseason? I thought he showed flashes of, you know, being that pass rusher that I saw at AM. I think the only thing he's probably the guy that I maybe is toughest to figure out based on what what we've seen so far because of the way he's been used. They When they were running a lot of that three, three, five when Watt was out, they were playing him at outside linebacker and he was holding up really well against the run. But even when he's had the chance to rush the passer this season, I watched the snaps against the Falcons and I just, I don't see the, the repertoire that I was seeing in the preseason and really at AM. I mean, this is a guy at AM who had like a full toolbox of pass rush moves. I mean, you know, club swim. I mean, I was seeing, you know, two hand swipe, uh, cross chop. You know, he even had a sack, I believe, on a uh, like a fake spin, like a half spin. Um, the old uh, DeMarcus Ware move, and that blew me away. And I just – he hasn't been very productive as a pass rusher. He only has a couple pressures on the year. Um, that's kind of a little bit surprising to me because I thought that he could make an impact even early on. Um, but, again, playing out of position and, you know, just overall not getting a ton of snaps uh, certainly has – you know, something to do with that. And I'm not, you know, worried at all, but maybe that is something that's kind of surprised me a little bit with him. So DeMarvin Leal, like um, when he was drafted, that was probably the pick I was the most uh, critical of because I didn't really like what I saw on film. I thought he lacked a lot of sand in his pants when it came to. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> it got, like, like he got blown off the ball so consistently like inside. And I just thought, this guy has a tweener body. He's he's not thick in the lower body. That was bo- mm-hmm. that, that that bothered me. And he plays like edge and inside, and you don't even know what he's what his best fit is. I'm like, so, so I just thought it was it was just going to be one of those guys they drafted, and he he wouldn't really end up doing much. I've actually been kind of surprised because I thought in the beginning of the year he actually showed he actually showed a good bit of anchor to be able to hold up within. And I actually thought his body, his body looks a lot thicker than it did at, at he's put on good weight. Yes. He put, he put on a lot of good weight and that's the big thing that I've wanted to see. I think that weight plus uh, his ability to pass, plus his pass rush has not, has been, has been kind of stunting what he can do in that regard. Cause he's probably trying to learn how to, you know, how, how to move with that type of weight. Now, overall, I've actually been surprised with him. I, I'd say a lot of my concerns um, were uh, were more towards, like, his ability to hold up in the run game, and I thought he would just be one of those tweeners who didn't really find find himself. But I early on, like, limited sample, I've been actually encouraged what I've seen, and We'll see. We'll see how his career ends up going. We just mm-hmm. not much to work with right now in terms of his snaps. But yeah. hey, I'm slightly encouraged based off how I felt pre-draft versus yeah. uh, now. 
Same. I mean, when I when I saw him at training camp, I thought he was holding up well against the run. And then, you know, in the preseason, I thought that there was a, a big improvement because that was definitely something that was real at AM. I mean, when he when he would line up, you know, as like a two eye, three tech, I mean, anytime and it wasn't just against double teams, anytime he'd get a base block from a good guard or anytime he they would get like a combo block on him. I mean, there was times where he was getting blown three, four yards off the ball, and that is not going to play. I mean, SEC is good competition, but that's not going to play in the league because you're just going to end up in your inside linebacker's lap. So I do – I am encouraged by that. Um, I just – I'm interested to see. These next five games are definitely going to be telling for me in terms of, you know, where he is already. And I think it's really important for the Steelers' long-term, you know, projection – the Steelers don't really have any – the two positions where they really don't have a future at right now, in my opinion, are corner and interior defensive line. I mean, we can make the argument that Leal, where they got him at, was probably – it was good value, in my opinion, just based on the upside. But, you know, a lot of their guys are just older guys. Like Tyson Alal is going to retire after this season. Cam Hayward's, you know, nearing the end, even if he is playing at still a pretty high level. Chris Wormley's a veteran. He's an impending free agent. Um, you know, Monty Adams, I think, is on a one-year deal. I mean, they're – Larry Okajobi's on a one-year deal. And, you know, he's been a little bit disappointing probably. So there's a lot of questions about the future of this front. I mean, several of those guys are going to be back because they don't have they, – they can't let everybody go. But I don't know where they pivot to. And, you know, I don't know if he's shown enough or what their opinion of him is right now that they're comfortable heading into next season with him kind of penciled in, maybe not sharpied in, but like penciled in as the starter next to Hayward. That's I don't know the answer to that. I'm hoping the next five weeks, you know, makes that apparent. But, you know, for a team that's really struggled to generate a pass rush this season, they could really use his help down the stretch if he's able to kind of, you know, find something. So um, overall, um, I think all three of the guys, the Steelers have gotten good returns so far on their rookie class. Um, we can kind of hit on another guy who, who made a big play on Sunday, which was awesome t- to see was, uh, you know, Connor Hayward. I watched, I watched Connor Hayward uh, catch probably two to three different passes like that he caught against the Falcons in team sessions um, at, in Latrobe and on those stick and nod routes. I, I do think that he is a, na- he's just a natural receiver. And you saw that in college, the ability to catch the ball away from his frame. He has soft hands. Um, I like some of the things that he's done as a receiver and they're having to use him more than they probably should out of necessity because they don't have a slot receiver. So they're having to play some 12 personnel with him and Pat working in the slot together. Um, but, you know, it was an awesome moment seeing him catch that. I do, I, I do want to give him credit to um, in the preseason, his blocking was atrocious and it was in training camp that I saw too, which was expected because he's such a small guy. Um, you know, he's, a historic outlier in terms of size for like the actual tight end position, which is why I kind of wanted to see them maybe move him to like more of an H back kind of role. Um, but you know, the Steelers uh, number one run play right now really is like split flow inside zone. And, you know, basically that means you have to pull the tight end across the formation and he's responsible for the end man of line, end man on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Hayward, instead of going like, you know, lead foot, lead shoulder, 
and just getting blown off the ball like he had a couple times in recent weeks, you know, just started cutting guys. And he did that multiple times against the Falcons and it worked. So I do want to give him credit, um, you know, blocking at blocking at the NFL level for tight ends is such a difficult task for young players because let's face it. A lot of the guys that are tight ends right now are really just extensions of receivers and, you know, college, you can even look at like the Dalton Kincaid's, the Michael Mayers from Notre Dame, like guys like that playing 70% of their snaps in the slot. And like, they're just not asked to, you know, do a ton of inline blocking and then they get to the league and, you know, you got to go block Alex Hasman. You got to go block TJ White, like those type of players. And, that's just not an easy transition. So I try to sympathize with that too. Um, but I do like that Hayward's showing some growth in that regard, and at least in terms of trying to find solutions on how he's going to win, uh, not just as a receiver down the field, but also, you know, as a blocker. Yeah. And you mentioned the hands in particular, like with, with his ability to just win at the catch point, the one, like any ball that was outside his frame, he caught, there was, mm-hmm. And that's like one of the things uh, you really like to see with a guy like that. And you mentioned the Steelers not really having a natural slot receiver right now. I do think they should experiment more with using Connor Hayward because of his ability to catch those contested catches over the middle, those tough, those tough plays, because they don't have that guy right now in, in the slot. And the slot has tended to be a black hole in the offense as a, as a whole. And while Connor Hayward's improved as a blocker, you want to try and get your best personnel on the field. And I do think mm-hmm. they need to try and get Hayward on the field more based off what I've seen, because he's, he looks like a valuable, like a valuable contributor to this offense overall. And like, I was, I was in, I liked the pick at the time. I didn't think it was based off pedigree, but I wasn't like in enthralled that like he was going to be this major contributor by any chance but i really think he needs to get used more that there he he showed like a good bit of potential and the hands again you need a sure-handed guy over the middle yeah and there was a catch i wish i could remember who it was against but he had a crazy is that the one yeah Okay. Yeah. The, the catch that he made, like, it was like high back five in the end zone. And he just extends out like out of his frame, you know, plucks the ball out of the air. That was really, to me was like, okay, this, this is legit, you know, legit receiver type hands. And I, I really liked that. That was, that was definitely the highlight of, you know, my notes from him coming out of college. So, um, but once again, everybody, we're going to wrap this thing up. We ran a little long today, but uh, speaking for Nick and myself, we really appreciate the support on the channel if there are certain guys that you guys want us to talk about a little bit more, if you want our opinions um, on certain players, please feel free to uh, drop a comment, drop a like, you know, be a friend, tell a friend type stuff. Uh, we're excited to, you know, continue on with the podcast, especially as we get, you know, really close into draft season. So once again, you can find us um, on YouTube at youtube.com slash all Steelers or wherever you get your podcast. We will be back next Thursday. Peace and love. Peace.